If anyone had a camera on us trying to set up these cameras today to record this podcast, we would be fired from life. I'm fine. I am absolutely fine. Don't say anything again. (laughs) I am fine. I've always been fine. I have no problems. I'm fine. Where's my vape? It's in my hands. I knew that. I knew it was in my hands. How are you? Great. (laughs) Hello, down bitches, and welcome to our first video day. Back in our new studio. It took us a minute, but we're back. We're here. Welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where we are being held together by a piece of scotch tape. Listen, I'm fine. <laughs> don't don't rope me up in that scotch tape talk. I am Ellen Marsh, and across from me is old Blue Eyes over there. What's your name, Sonny? I'm uh, fine. Okay. Doing fine <laughs> is what I prefer to go by these days. What, what's your Doing fine. Okay, so when I bought this house, I moved out to the suburbs. I walked into this big utility closet, and I said, that can be a podcasting studio. And that's basically what sold me on this house. One never meant for two people. Mm-mm. But here we are. Twas not. Making it work every day. We just make it work. Now, I want you to do the intro today, Joey. Let it rattle off your tongue. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm fine. What else is there to say? You know, like, we're here, we're covering a new show. We are covering a new series here on I Think Not, and uh, this one I found all on my own. You did, and I actually love it. It's really fascinating. The show is called Death by Fame. Um, I don't love that title, um, but... They gotta hook you in. Yeah. They have to hook in the true crime people, so they had a hook. Yeah, and it's fascinating because a lot of these cases take place in Hollywood, and I am forever fascinated by Hollywood culture. Yeah. It is, it can be so beautiful and glamorous, and then it can be so dark and insidious, but I guess that's every major city. I don't know, but this one in particular is a machine that keeps going no matter what. You know what I mean? Whether people get on, they fall off, it doesn't matter. The machine keeps going. It's kind of terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to go on with the intro? Okay. Um, and if you and if you like this episode... So, you... for the next four episodes, we will oh, be... Why are you telling me to do it when you know what to do? You always do it. I, blah, blah, blah. My line. I don't pay attention to what the fuck you say when you intro this. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My line. That's how it goes. Right, but I feel like, you know, since you get 70% of the pay, you should do 50% of the work. I got 70% of the pay. <laughs> So, just as a reminder, if you are new here, here on the main feed, we cover a new episode about every month. That calendar month is give or take, but it will be four episodes. So, we're going to be covering Death by Fame. You can find it on Discovery Plus. It's actually really great. But if you want more of us, you can find us on Patreon, where we have tons and tons of our back catalog. Also, tons of bonus material, shows that we've covered in the past, like my favorite, I Almost Got Away With It, Pink Collar Crimes, Fry Thy Neighbor. We also have Swamp Talk which is basically where we trauma dump on you. It's going well. That's available in our highest tier called the Hallelujah What's It To You. We also have ad-free tiers. We also have a close friend's best circle. We do a movie night and we have some special new Patreon fun coming your way. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash I think not or at our website or on our socials. Listen, it's all there. Also, you can just text us. Our numbers are 555-2424. Tease them a little bit about what's, what's new on Patreon. Go ahead. Give them a little tease, a little tickle. Tickle them. Touch the high knee. There's going to be some exclusive stuff. Mm-hmm. If you like exclusive stuff, it's going to be available on the Patreon. Mm, I like that. And it's there's going to be a fun new little event that we're adding that involves 
things we love. Mm, say exclusive again. Every. <laughs> I love it when you say every, that. Every. Okay, I'll tell them. Every month you're going to get a different nude of Joey. <laughs> If, I'm on Google. You can Google my nudes. The screen caps have one star. Oh, boy. Well, here we go. Our first episode of Death by Fame. Season one, episode one, Celebrity Sexpert. Hollywood romances are usually like fairy tales, right? It's all about the aesthetic, what a person looks like, who they are, who they know. It's almost like a Cinderella story. You meet your Prince Charming, and we don't pay attention to other people that may harm them. I think that she probably knew that he was dangerous to a point, but she didn't think he would go that far over the edge. It's the Hollywood dream turned into a nightmare. She was actually obsessed with famous Hollywood murders, and now she had become a famous Hollywood murderer. Well, like I said before, we are in Hollywood, California, and Madonna said it best when she said, Everybody comes to Hollywood. They wanna make it in the neighborhood. What else, Madonna? Oh, Hollywood, a place where everyone says, I can't wait for you to visit until you arrive. And then they disappear like Matt Reif's career, just <laughs> evaporate into the ether. Like I said, Hollywood is strange. You have so many friends in Hollywood. Yeah, it's a weird place. I always feel, no matter how many times I go, I always feel like an outsider. Mm -hmm. Even I lived in L.A. for a minute, like one summer in college, and I felt like a visitor. I never felt like I really belonged. I don't even know if I unpacked my suitcase. That being said, I haven't unpacked my suitcase since Christmas. And that tracks. Yeah, it's sitting in my front. You know I just unpacked mine last week. I don't know what it is. There's a psychology about it, and I don't know what it is. But by the way, this episode is called Celebrity Sexpert. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And I, I just want to, is that a freelance position? <laughs> Are you a celebrity sexpert? I'm not a celebrity, but I mean, I feel like everyone is a sexpert. Like, if there's a 401k and insurance plan and dental, I feel like I would be in. Yeah. Listen, I got a lot to say about sex. I know I don't tell too many sex stories on this no, podcast. I, I don't know. talk about my sex life Join at us all. on Swamp talk. <laughs> I talk too much. I say too much. You do. I forget how much I say until someone stands in front of me and says a story back to me that I've shared. And I'm like, oh, right. Do you know what is so crazy to think about? And someone in podcasting told me this story. We sit here and we tell this story. But imagine standing in the center of the Superdome and telling that story. Oh, my God. That's how many people you're telling the story to. Well, hello. <laughs> hello. 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 Bop, stop, stop. Hollywood is a strange place. I've seen people get swallowed whole and spit out. And then I've seen people conquer it. And Amy Harwick was well on her way to being one of those people. Yes, our story is about a woman named Amy Hardwick. We get a little bit of her backstory. She was adopted. She had really lenient parents and they just wanted her to be whoever she wanted to be. And they were, they allow her to be her own person, spread her wings and fly yeah, what are they saying? No idea. Okay. One of her best friends, and we're going to see two down bitches in Amy's life. Yeah. One is named Maricela and one is named Robert. They talk a lot during this episode, which I like. I like a couple people saying more rather than a bunch of talking heads. You know, it's like Clive and Herman Munster who knew Cousin her once. And, right. I like it like this. It's like two trusted best friends who have a lot of information about her. Maricela is here and she just said that she was Amy. 
through and through, 100%. I don't know any other way to be. I know. I know. Do you I- wish I would be 97% myself? No, I was actually talking about a situation and I was saying how like I don't know how to do anything half-assed. Like I don't know how to do it. I I don't know how to be like, "Ah, that That'll do. I've never said the phrase, that'll do. Yeah. You know what? I spent my teenage years trying to be something I wasn't, trying to figure out who I was in the eyes of other people so I could fulfill that. I'm I'm not, in, I'm too old. I'm too tired. And yeah. my ADHD is too out of control in order to keep track of all of it. Yep. So she was born in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, which was a small town. And she stood out there. She was into heavy metal. Love a girl after my own heart. She wore a lot of makeup. Yes. Wore a lot of black. It was a typical story of like a person with a big personality stuck in a small town. Yeah. Big cheers for anyone who didn't fit in where they grew up. Yeah. Did you feel like you fit in where you grew up? No. Yeah. I was clawing my way out of there from the time I could say, where's Madonna? (laughs) What's that sound? And it was like your neighbor down the street. It's Celine Dion. (laughs) Come, Joy. Let me sing you a song. Okay, here we go. Okay. (laughs) Let me sing you a cookie crazy song. I mean, that's like the beautiful thing about having parents that just allow you to have the space to explore it all, figure out who you are. When you have that kind of independence from an early age, you don't know any other way to be. And so we've had conversations about her coming to L.A. because of feeling like she needed to get out of there to expand and grow. And let me tell y'all, Amy is stunning. She looks like Dita Von Teese in a way. Yes. Um, But she is breathtaking. Smile, everything, and she looks like a person who would belong in L.A. Absolutely. I do not. When I lived in L.A., did I ever tell you this story? I worked in Miyagi's on Sunset. Mm. It used to be that three-story sushi place. And I worked there with my girlfriend, Ellen. Yes, her name was Ellen, too. I don't think I ever realized you lived in L.A. Yeah, we lived in L.A. the summer after our junior year. Me, Mia, Ellen, and Amaya. Me, Ellen, and Amaya all shared a one-bedroom apartment. We all lived in twin beds, three twin beds. But Ellen had a boyfriend, I had a boyfriend, and Amaya. I uh, had a cat. And... That tracks. So I worked in Miyagi's, and uh, when I tell you, minimum, once a night, maybe one once every other night, people would say, can I ask you a personal question? Oh, God. Where are you from? Oh. What nationality are you? Oh. You're so exotic. I was Ugh. like, I have brown hair. Do you want the all-you-can-eat sushi? But it's true. I was so different looking. Everyone thought I was Persian. Wow. Can we do away also with describing someone who is non-white as exotic? Every day. Joey, every night, wow, you're just so exotic looking. It it got so old and tired. But it's true. I just, I don't have that thing. Plus, I'm a size two and uh, basically a hippopotamus in L.A. And you're right. She is, Amy is stunning. I don't know how to describe this. She's not like a cocky stunning. No. She's like a demure stunning, but confident. Because she's smart as a whip. Yeah. And she knows it. And I think that when you're that beautiful, you just assume everyone's going to underestimate your intelligence. Oh, good point. And she was just like, I'm going to use this to my advantage. And I'm also not going to waste my time trying to prove it to people. I'm like, good for you. Work. Yeah. And so another one of Amy's friends that we mentioned earlier, Robert Koshland, is here. And he tells the story of how he met Amy at a house party. And side note, Amy really found her place in Hollywood. She was at all the parties. She was invited to all of them. She knew what was up. First time I met Amy Harwick was at a pool party. I thought, wow, this woman is absolutely gorgeous. It was like midnight. And I walked into the kitchen and she was standing in there in high heels and a bikini. And uh, she said, oh, I'm just 
stopping by. I'm on my way to work. And I said, where do you work? And you're not here for the pool party. (laughs) And she said, oh, I'm a go-go dancer. I'm fascinated by go-go dancers. The culture is amazing. I told you I was a go-go dancer very briefly in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Turns out I looked like a Skeletor dancing up there. I was two pounds wet. And it it just was not a great look for me. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to be sexy. I was like, you like giraffes? How about ostriches? I can do that. But y'all, she was smart. She was putting herself through school by go-go dancing. She had several jobs. She was a hustler, baby. She was a hustler. Or let's let best friend Maricela say it. You look up hustler, you know, hustler in the dictionary and there's Amy. Hey! Sounds familiar. It does. So Sarah Azari is here. She's a criminal trial attorney, but she humble brags before she even introduces herself. As a criminal defense attorney in Los Angeles with nearly 20 years practicing in the criminal justice system as a trial lawyer, I was fascinated by this case. Was she at an audition? I have no idea. Like, she she was like, let me list my resume, then tell you who. I was fascinated by that introduction. Well, it's very L.A., but also I thought about that, and I was like, well, of course, you're a woman in a field where maybe women aren't always taken seriously, and so you're like, I have to lead with my credentials. Right. Hi, graduated Yale, top of my class, summa cum laude, majored in biology, minored in microbiology. Uh-huh. I've got two dogs that I, of course, rescued. I'm a vegan. I do CrossFit, and... And I also go to church on Sundays. I speak three languages and ASL. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, can I get the soup? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Oh, two weeks ago, I saw Cameron Diaz at Fred Siegel, and I talked her out of buying this truly heinous Angora sweater. Whoever said orange is the new pink was seriously disturbed. I love you so much. How many years have you been a criminal defense attorney? (laughs) Twelve. What was the name of the school you attended? It was the, the law... College mm-hmm. of Lawyerly yes. Academic yes. Studies of the United States. Yes, and she graduated summa come often. <laughs> summa come on me. <laughs> Amy also had a side gig as a fire eater. I am fascinated by that as well. I am a professional Cheez-Its eater, but no one will hire me to do that at the Playboy Mansion. I'm not sure why. She worked at the Playboy Mansion. Often. Honey, it was lucrative because guess what? Eating that fire paid her way through Pepperdine, getting her master's, and then she was like, you know what? I have this here master's in family therapy. I think I'm gonna go all the way. I'm gonna get a PhD. Okay, Dr. Gorgeous. And she paid for it in cash. Listen, people can have their opinion on go-go dancers or fire eaters or whatever. This girl did it. She did it. I'm like, I have so much respect for you. That is not an easy hustle. Dr. Amy Harwood. Very much a renaissance woman. (laughs) Got my graduate degree. I'm going to go for my PhD later. Going to do everything I want to do. Dr. Amy Harwick's relationship history was very much ironic considering that she was a marriage therapist. She also had some very high profile relationships. She dated Crispin Glover, who Uh, played the thin man in Charlie's Angels that would scream when he pulled your hair out. Okay, pipe down, Crispin. Um, she also dated that sociopath Marilyn Manson. What the hell? Does that man have a 12-inch penis? I don't understand. He looks like something that you pull out the toilet after it hasn't flushed in 12 weeks. He also is a horrible person. He is disgusting. He has to, I, I don't know. That man is rocking something or he's got an Energizer bunny tongue, one or the other. Gross, sick. Also, she dated Dave Navarro. That one I'm jealous of. Really? Oh my God, I had a one of my sexual awakenings was 
was when Dave Navarro kissed Anthony Kiedis on the mouth, and I was like, definitely gay! <laughs> I am gay! Penis! Penis! Just a quick question. Yeah. Do you think anyone was on the fence? Don't, don't, don't like, do it. Like, do you think anyone was like, you know Joey Taranto, like, I can't tell if he's gay. Do you think anyone did that? It wasn't always this butch. But nowadays, no, of course. They were like, look at that faggot prancing around with a mop on its head. Of uh, of course, no. Now, Amy had some troubled relationships, the details of which she didn't always share with her closest friends. But then that all changed. Right, we meet one of Amy's friends, Rudy Torres, and he's here to tell us about a man named Gareth. Gareth is a photographer and a self-taught coding wizard, I guess. He's a computer guy. I love how, first of all, coding wizard is a fancy term for, like, a really good hacker. I guess. That's literally what he was said. I was like, oh, Rudy does not like Gareth. <laughs> a coding wizard? And then he said self-taught. Like, he was like, those microaggressions were coming. And then, like, whenever somebody, you don't know what somebody does, you're like, I don't know. They're, like, in computers or something. Yeah. What is that? I have, they work in computers. It's, there's many jobs in computers. Do you know real hackers are actually scary? Why? Because they can ruin your life? Yeah. The amount of times we open ourselves up for, like, cybersecurity breaches, we basically do it every day. Yeah. They are so sophisticated. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I worked as a uh, a computer um, a scientist? Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I worked as a computer scientist, and um, I worked remotely, and, uh, you know, I I got viruses that they would send me, and I would put it in the computer and, like, you know, fix Honey, things Honey, you have an people. OnlyFans. And then um, one day they sent me a file, and I clicked on this weird icon, and it realized that it was like this weird program that could give you a backdoor into any major website, including the government's website. And then I went on a trip to Mexico and this guy tried to kill me and then they tried to ruin my life and I lost my passport. So I had to get a new one um, as the name under the name Ruth. Don't ask. And um, eventually I escaped it all and I destroyed that program. Honey, and I mm-hmm. I honestly don't ever want to diminish your experiences. And I don't. But I, I feel like that you're just reciting the plot of Sandra Bullock's The Net. That, I, I that, that the he's... story you just told mm-hmm. directly mirrors that story. So I feel that movie is based off of my life. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe that, wait till I tell you about the time I I got on a bus that wouldn't wouldn't slow down. It's crazy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy story. <laughs> Rudy is a photographer as well, and he and Gareth did freelance work together. But, oh, God, I I am. Okay, everyone Mm -hmm. take a seat. If you're not in a headspace right now to accept this kind of chaos in your life, pause and come back later. Gareth wanted to be a comedian, and he won good. There is Mm -hmm. nothing on this earth worse than an un funny comedian. I literally wrote there is nothing worse than an unfunny comedian. I don't want to say any names, Carrot Top. There is nothing worse. Honestly, I would rather eat an 11 by 17 rug than go see an open mic night. Oh, yeah. Where you never know what's going to happen. Seeing a not funny comedian or seeing somebody's joke bomb, it Actually, well, Marty Sella breaks it down for us. After I saw that, like, he did a, a stand-up thing, I understood, like, he was always trying to be that funny, and it just never came across funny. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here in all the best parts of entertainment. We've got most of a band. We've got morning radio sound effects. Sometimes a full band, when a toy kazoo comes from the ground, raises from the grave, takes over Tony and starts singing. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful time. Um... <laughs> 
Big yikes. I feel that secondhand embarrassment deep in my soul. However, imagine being a person and then saying, I am so funny. Uh-huh. Take me to the nearest open mic night. Mm-hmm. I need to get in front of a microphone uh-huh. and I need to share my gifts. I must share my gifts with people. My gift is to make people laugh. I can't do anything else with my life. Uh-huh. Honestly, I would rather Chris Christie teabag me oh, than go and do stand-up comedy or watch stand-up comedy. Yeah, no, I, watching bad stand-up comedy is excruciating. There's someone I know, a guy in New York, who I am shocked decided to start doing stand-up and he was posting his clips on Instagram and they're so bad, I, I literally have to skip through. The minute I see his face, I'm like, nope, yeah, I cannot do it. So, Gareth had photographed Amy. That's how they got to know each other. And I guess she looked past his bad jokes. And they started dating and... Gareth was the kind of boyfriend that, like, threw up red flags. Just suspicious of all of her male friends, and she had a lot of them. A lot of them, I'm sure, were gay. But he would act out. He would do that gross thing in public when there were men around and grab her and try to shove his tongue down her throat in order to just sort of assert his dominance. Like, like, this one's mine. Pissing on his tree. Pissing on his property. This one's, yeah. It's so Gross. gross. Well, they lived together, and they dated for a couple years. And then they broke up. And after they broke up, he... He used to ask mutual friends, including Rudy, the guy who, like, didn't really think very highly of his hacking skills or his comedy skills. Yeah. And he would say, hey, let's let's message her. Let's send her a message. Send this video. Send this clip. Send this link. It got so bad that poor Amy had to get a restraining order. Yeah, she did. And I think when she got that restraining order, she was hoping that that would be the end of it. But Gareth became even more obsessed once that restraining order was put in place. In 2012, she had applied to work in a prison. But what happened during that process was a guy sent nude photos to the prison of Amy. The administrators at that prison received Amy's nude pictures from a Playboy spread she had done years prior from an anonymous person. Mm -hmm. It cost her the job and she was very upset about it. I'm also like, everyone's nudes are out there. Who fucking cares? But she was devastated. She's like, is my career over? Is my career ruined? It's just starting. I know, poor thing. And so her friend was like, why don't you get into sex therapy? And she's like, you know what? I've always wanted to make it a point to help women. So she wanted to help women who had left the sex work industry. So she was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get me another one of them degrees. She went to DBU and majored in I'm going to help women and minored in that's a lot of degrees. I got a lot of debt. <laughs> Just kidding. She got a degree in human sexuality. She wrote a book? Yeah, she did. It's amazing. She took an obstacle and made something beautiful out of it. And she was also making TV appearances and contributed to magazines in this area of work. She was respected. She was on her way. Even though sex therapy might be niche, there was tons of work to be had. She worked on a TV show called Addicted to Sexting. She would be quoted in magazines. She was very well known and she had a lot of media attention. She was smart and gorgeous. I think that really she got them with her face and she kept them with her brains. Absolutely. And she was like charming and lovely. She would go on podcasts. She was so personable. She had no desire to be a performer or an actor in any way. But she did kind of have that charisma that only helped her in her field because you have to, you can be really smart, really gorgeous, but you have to be able to talk to people to be in media. Yeah. See, it's I'd say I understand because I do the same thing. What do you do? I, I get them with... Uh, 
uh, the the penis. Right. And then I keep them with the Golden Girls. So, Tale as old as time. Right. That is what Angela Lansbury was singing about. You yes. are correct. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it working out for you? I'm fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally fine. Totally satisfied. Everything and, is great. And you know, all your relationships, you're oh, feeling yeah. fulfilled. Good, 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 good. You're just feeling like loved and comforted by all of your decisions. Y'all, we're just going to take a quick break real quick. Uh, just, just go ahead and um, just sit down. Uh, sit idly. Have a cheese it. Look here. Don't you ever embarrass me on our <laughs> podcast. This is a comedy podcast. I don't find this very comedic. I don't like you coming from my relationships, okay? I do have a beautiful penis, and I got a large TV that I show homosexuals episodes of Golden Girls. I have earned this moment. You're not going to steal it from me, okay? I've seen showgirls. I know what'll happen. If we going on tour, a live show, I'm going to throw some beads down. You slide, you'll never, you will be replaced. I think I could call Robbie and convince her to come over here, Okay. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. So, are we good? Do you understand? We have an understanding? Mm-hmm. Oh, hi, everybody. Thank you so oh, much. Hi, hi, hi everybody. <laughs> you have to record an episode with Rabia. You record an episode with Rabia, and I'll record an episode with Pain. Great. And it will be his name. Shit. is <laughs> just going to be like, Joey. Over and over again. That has to be a Patreon bonus. Oh my God. I ha- you guys have to do it. Oh my God. It just has to like fall into madness. I'm making that happen. I'm ready. It was a bit challenging for Amy to be a sex therapist and be as beautiful as she was. I know that she did have some problems with some obsessive clientele that were probably mainly there to see Amy because she was gorgeous and not Amy, the therapist who can really help them with their issues. And so that was something she had to navigate a lot. And I'm sure that eventually her vetting skills got really sharp. Mm -hmm. She tells us a story of when she was dating Marilyn Manson and it was her birthday and she had a dinner planned and it was scheduled for 6 p.m. And then Dom bitch best friend Robert was like, I mean, don't hold too closely to those six o'clock reservations because Marilyn doesn't emerge from his cave by six o'clock. So I doubt he's gonna make it. And she was like, well, if he doesn't make dinner, I'm gonna throw a party or have a party or do something fun. I'm not staying home. And if he wants to come out of his vampire closet, that's great. Well, she goes to a party and it's there that she meets none other than Drew Carey. That's right. That Drew Carey from The Drew Carey Show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? And also The Price is Right. What's so funny is during the preview, I really don't usually pay attention to the preview. And I in the preview, I saw it at the corner of my eye. I was like, is that Drew Carey? It sure is. And it was Drew Carey. It sure was. And they struck up a conversation at this party. She told him about being stood up by Marilyn Manson. And Drew Carey was like, nobody should ever be standing you up. In fact, I would like to take you and a few friends to Disneyland. You want to do it? And she was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Do you know that someone released a song called that. What? Stood up by Marilyn Manson. No. Yeah. How's it go? Well, I was at a party uh-huh. waiting for Marilyn Manson. Oh. I was eating Cheetos yeah. and doing some dancing. Yeah. I said, where is my boyfriend? Yep. Where did he go? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Been stood up by... Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. I think you have a future as the fourth member of the Chicks. What? Were we in 3-4 at the end? <laughs> were we in 6-8? What, what was that time it signature? Was it was great. It doesn't matter. It was a masterpiece. I'm proud of you. Look for that on iTunes. Well... Drew was smitten, and sure enough, he took Amy and 10 of her friends to Disneyland. That ABC connection is comes in clutch. Yeah. She said she laughed so hard, and she just had such a great time. Two weeks later, Drew took 10 of us to Disneyland, and that's when I met 
him for the first time. And we were walking through the park, and he said to me, I'm going to marry her. And you know what? She liked Drew. You know why? He made her laugh. Yeah. That's it. And it wasn't just the Dole Whip talking. No. Oh, God, I do love Dole Whip. I Remember when Alicia had Dole Whip at her wedding? Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone always says, like, how did Colin Jost get Scarlett Johansson? It's kryptonite. Cause so many comedians have gorgeous wives. Also, he's so hot. He's a, like, some people think he, I think he's hot, but some people think he's nerdy. I mean, like. I love it. Nerds are hot. I love nerds. But when you can make someone laugh. Yeah. It's pretty magical. It is magical. Well, it worked for Amy because they moved in together not long after and eventually Drew proposed to her in Paris. Now, a little backstory there was that Amy and Drew kept this sort of a secret. They yeah. kept their relationship on the DL. And during this time, she was being stalked online by, like, a former friend of hers, doing a lot of posting online, a lot of leaking of stuff. Well, the National Enquirer was like, hey, we heard you're engaged. We're going to run a story. And in an attempt not to have a false narrative out there, they yeah. sort of wanted to take back control yeah. of how their story was being told. And they're like, okay, 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 we'll give you an exclusive. Just don't run a story. And we'll tell you everything. And we'll give you pictures and stuff like that. Not ideal. No. But they took control of the situation in true Amy fashion. And then shortly after on Valentine's Day, Drew introduced his new fiance Amy to the world on The Price is Right. And here's the thing. When you enter the public eye in that way, there's a lot of perks. There's also a ton of cons. The con being you are being watched. Yeah. All the fucking time. We see the footage from Price is Right, and so it's out there. Now, it should be mentioned that Drew was 59, Amy was 36, so obviously everyone said she wanted one thing. Money makes the world go around, it makes the world go round. Thank you, Liza. Thank you, Joel. But she's like, also, may I introduce you to all of my degrees and all of my diplomas and the book I wrote? And I, I've got my own money. I'm doing fine. And also, you don't have to qualify your relationship to anybody. Yeah. The inevitable gold digger talk. It's like, fuck off. If two people are happy, let them be happy. That's such a trope. And, you know... He actually is kind of cute and looks fade. You know, clearly she wasn't into looks. She dated Marilyn Manson. Ah. And so finding someone that makes you laugh, and I'll talk about it at the end of the episode, Drew was besotted by her. Absolutely besotted. Yeah. And so they were happy. Amy had picked up some stalkers along the way, and they did not like Amy being engaged. So they would say horrible things about her and post them online, like, as a fact. Things like she was abusive to her family or her diplomas were fake. Shit like that. And that must be hard because, like we said before, Amy didn't move to L.A. to be a celebrity. Amy didn't move to go be an actress. And I just love how when a woman is standing on the arms of a rich or successful man, she immediately loses all of her intellectual credibility. Yeah. All of her diplomas go out the door. She's no longer a scholar, a therapist, a woman, because she's standing on his arm. She's then his arm candy. When she would go places with Drew, a lot of times the attention or focus would be on Drew. So you're engaged to Drew Carey. Yes. And um, everybody knows him as a pretty well-known celebrity. Mm -hmm. So when people see you with him, they assume that you're just like a pretty face. Bitch, Amy was not arm candy. And Drew even stood up for her. Yep. They were at an event that she was invited for. And they're like, Drew, 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 over here, over here. M move over, pretty lady. And he was like, no, she's invited to this event. I'm her guest. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Well, it's also sad, too, because the public judge 
judgment really started to get to Amy, and it started to affect their relationship. Especially you work that hard to put yourself through school, all for people to just be like, oh, you're just a pretty face. Exactly. It sucks. And so Amy was distressed. I hate it when that happens. I know, baby girl. Everyone is like, you are, like, chiseled out of stone. Mm -hmm. Like, Ellen, over here, wait, is that, are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not her. And they're like, be on the cover of our magazine. I'm like, no, I want to sit in my basement and podcast. Yeah. And they're like, no, but everyone wants your, can you cut off your face so we can manufacture your, this is what people say to me. I didn't make that up. dark turn. No, they do. They want to manufacture my face so that people can sew my face on their face. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird, but thank you. And I'm like, no, I have a face for podcasting. (laughs) Shut up. You're beautiful. And don't forget, you have great breasts. (laughs) And you're a cunt. (laughs) Still no cure. In October of 2018, the police were called to the home that Drew Carey shared with Amy Harwick. She reported that there were trespassers on the property. Amy had been living there alone at the time, and she was freaked out. She didn't know what to do. It deeply affected her and certainly contributed to, sadly, their breakup. Yeah, months later, they called off the engagement, and friends weren't really shocked. She just wasn't digging this lifestyle. Uh, But about 16 months later, (laughs) specific, she wanted to talk to Drew. She didn't want animosity. She wanted to clear things up. Now it's almost Valentine's Day 2020, and she texts Drew. She missed him. She loved him. She wanted to see him, and he felt the same. Yeah, he did. And, you know, that's a risk. When you text an ex, because you never know. It could be, I miss you too, or you could end up blocked. You never know. Um, Joke's on you. You can't block me. I've already blocked you. Um, And so (laughs) Valentine's Day arrives and Amy and her girlfriends decide to have a girls night. They're going to celebrate together. They're all single. And the next day, February 15th, Amy's roommate texts her good friend Robert to tell him that Amy had been assaulted. And could he please come down to the Hollywood police station? And Robert says, of course. You know, he's terrified. He's like, yeah, I'll be down there. And Robert also calls their other really good friend, Maricela, to tell her what's happened. And so Robert gets to the police station and the police immediately are like, can we ask you some questions? He says, sure. And they say, look, Amy was attacked in her home. They ask Robert, you know, where were you? What were you doing? And when did you speak to her last? And as he's answering those questions, someone walks into the room, whispers into the detective's ears, and that detective looks at sweet Robert and says, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your friend Amy has died. Oh my stars. I I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine. And then I spent that day calling everyone, including Drew. It was tough. I made a lot of phone calls telling people that their closest friend was dead. What a horrible responsibility. Imagine having that assignment. I can't. I mean, imagine making those calls, call after call, giving the darkest, saddest news that someone could possibly get in their life. Yeah. So then we get a lot of people speaking to who Amy was, which only adds to this tragedy. Just saying how she was like a combination of outgoing and effervescent and a fucking weirdo. That's what they. That's what Robert I, said. It was amazing. I loved it because she was like, you know, and so Gil Carrillo is here. He's a lieutenant from an L.A. PD that's here to tell us a little bit about the crime scene and how Amy was found that night. Well, Amy had been pushed over her balcony that was 20 feet high and she suffered 
grave injuries. She also had cuts on her hands that suggested defensive wounds. They found a trail of beads that led from the bedroom to the balcony as if her necklace had been broken and slowly fell to the ground. They also found a syringe with nicotine in it. And although she hadn't been injected with it, it was enough nicotine to kill someone. I've never heard of that. That's a first, right? Yeah. But on the episode, they made it sound like, oh yeah, this happens all the time. I was like, I mean, obviously, like, I just never thought of that. In all of the episodes we have ever covered, which yeah. today is 7,844, yep. uh-huh. I have never heard of that. Neither have I. And whoever was doing this obviously just didn't get the opportunity to inject her with the nicotine. And the way her apartment was left indicated that there were signs of a struggle. So likely she had been fighting back. In addition to the necklace, there was broken glass. The doors to the balcony had been broken. There was also blood on those doors. Now, the autopsy would reveal two things, that she had obviously suffered the head injury from the fall, but she had also been strangled. So you can only imagine she was probably trying to get out of this very scary situation because she was being choked. Yeah, they determined that her hyoid bone had been broken. I've I've told you about the hyoid bone. What do you know about the hyoid bone? Um, What I know is, is that if if it breaks, doesn't it block your, it blocks your breathing passages? Yeah, it's the only bone in your body that doesn't articulate with another bone. Wow. I don't know how I've always remembered that. But yeah, I mean, like, that's why they say if someone's attacking you, go for the neck, go for the throat. Yeah, well, that uh, that injury alone can kill you. Yeah. Now, criminal defense attorney Sarah is back. She says, when there are signs of strangulation, you immediately know that the person, the assailant, was known to the victim that there was a passion that went into the crime. I hate this term, but crime of passion is thrown around a lot. We got to think of a new one. Can we brainstorm that? Can we make that a DBU assignment? Can we all think of a way to say a crime that is... In the heat of the moment. I don't, fo- I don't know. I don't know. I, Please I know. workshop it and get back to us. And I promise you, we will use it from here on out. Well, the reason that is relevant is because the first people that the police are going to turn to is a boyfriend or an ex-boyfriend. And that means that they have to talk to Drew Carey. Of course. Because remember, they had just started texting again. They had just gotten back into contact. They had a date to meet. And they say, Amy and Drew were very different. Amy is like you, like a bit dark, a bit goth, a bit macabre. Yeah. A bit loud, a bit pusty, a bit gay, uh-huh. a bit overbearing, uh-huh. a bit controlling, uh-huh. a bit... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. What was I saying? I think you left Amy and got on to me. Is there something you'd like to say to me? <laughs> no, but it's true. You guys were similar because she's like... Yeah. She's like a funny, quirky, gorgeous goth. You're so sweet. I'm not a goth, but I aspire... You're I'm a goth fucking, in my heart. Have you, have you all seen his fucking house lately? I'm a, I'm a goth that at heart. dork. Dork. There's darkness in your soul. And, and eventually, Drew was cleared. Now, Amy's good friend Robert was being questioned by the police, and they asked him, do you know anyone who would want to hurt Amy? And immediately he said, yes, her ex, Gareth. Yeah. Because he's like, you know, she didn't talk about that relationship very often, but she did mention she was afraid of him. We see this time and time again. That is a pattern. Well, he had harassed her as well. Remember, she had that restraining order against Gareth. So obviously she had told the police about the instances that had happened as to why she needed a restraining order. One time he pushed her out of a car on the freeway and left her on the freeway stranded. They would get in the car and she would ask to get out, and he wouldn't let her out. Like, he'd be bashing her head against the car seat. 
push her out. So then she'd be stranded. What a piece of shit. Left her stranded. Yeah, and this man's full name is Gareth Pursehouse. It seems like this had happened more than once. And friend Maricela says, look, that man is very vindictive, very smart when it comes to computers. In fact, years prior, Amy had taken a trip to China to teach a sex class. And when she returned, she called her friend Robert and said, I think fucking Gareth broke into my house while I was gone. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, why do you say that? And she was like, well, my photo albums are missing pictures. Some of her pictures were smashed, but most of all, her computer didn't work. Now, remember, Garrett was into computers or whatever. So Robert's like, I'll come over. We'll look at your computer together. It had no operating system. It had been wiped. And this is why this man... I would, I would die. I know you would, honey. I would die. Yeah. All my pictures. Yeah. All my videos. Yeah. All of my plans to take over the world. And your sex tapes. Oh. I don't I don't have a sex tape. Know you, you know don't. this. I know you don't. I have... Get you some. I have you never. Want me to come film it. I, could you imagine being like, "Excuse me, I'm just gonna scooch in here to the I, left. Can you get to the left? Can you just move? I'm just. I'm not even looking. This doesn't turn me on at all." Ellen, I don't mean to make it weird, but you're, there's not nearly enough daddies in here. Throw in a, a good daddy. Flip your hair. Flip your hair, honey. Yeah. Maybe smile for the camera. Yeah. Look at the camera and wink. Look at the camera and wink. Do a little choreo. Give, give us a little hot job, whoopee. There you go. Okay, now when you moan, make it a little more higher pitch so that we get we can I can pick it up in my microphone. My microphone's not yeah, great. It's time for jazz fingers. Jazz fingers. Jazz fingers! <laughs> jazz fingers! <laughs> Do you imagine my best friend shot my porn? Uh, I'm I've, sure it's happened. I'm sure I it have does happen. Never recorded myself while having sex. Have you? And so <laughs> <laughs> It's a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of situation. After, you know, trashing her place, he shows up then like the next day and is playing like a love song outside and, and confessing his love for her. Boy, this is not say anything and you are not John Cusack. Take that boombox, shove it up your ass and get the fuck out of here. Do you remember what song he plays? No. <gasps> I've never actually Everybody seen the movie. Everybody is clutching. I've never actually seen the movie. I just remember that clip. Someone go grab Peter Gabriel. In your eyes, the light, the what a cultural phenomenon was that boombox moment. Do you know I have an interesting tidbit about that? John Cusack, oh, you've never seen the movie. John Cusack didn't want to do it. Oh. He did not want, He first of all, he didn't want to do like a teen rom-com because he didn't want his career to go that way. But he did not think that was like a good way to end the movie. So they kept pushing recording that scene and they recorded that scene on the very last day of shooting. And it's actually really poetic because Cameron Crowe, uh -huh. it was his first movie movie he directed and he had to like tell John he was like no 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 this this is gonna work this is gonna work and he's sort of like hesitant and nervous and it's part for the movie and it's part John Cusack being like I just I don't feel right about yeah, this and it worked cut to one of like the most like top 10 most iconic moments okay I'll watch it Fine, I will watch it. Oh, let's watch it on a movie night. We add it to movie 735. <laughs> We're never going to stop watching movies. No. Josh is going to be like, y'all at this rate, we got to watch a movie a night until 2028. Yeah, truly. <laughs> so the thing about Gareth is one minute he's love bombing her, the next he's acting like a lunatic. But things like breaking into her apartment and wiping her computer was sending a very clear message that I have access to you whenever I want it and there is nothing you can do about it. Yeah, she lived in fear of him. She mentioned to people that she knew he had the ability to track her and find her. And then we hear Amy talk about online harassment a little bit. Somebody can just go to your page and harass you every day, say things that aren't true, 
And there's really, it's very, very difficult to make that stop. It's anonymous and also just online, it's not taken as seriously. Right. Receiving that level of harassment will wear you down over time. That is really terrifying. It's on such a smaller level. And Rabia is always like, you know, don't feed the trolls. It doesn't matter. It's really hard reading mean things about you, even though you know that those people don't matter or it's some faceless person or it's somebody that like you turned down in the ninth grade. It's still really mean. And they were relentless with her. She got a lot of online harassment, probably some people that were jealous of her, some people that wanted to be with her and they couldn't, some people that judged her for talking about sex, whatever it was. But like, it doesn't not get to people. And we get such a small taste of it. You know, like you'll look at a hundred reviews and all you'll do is be like, oh my God, look at this one star review. I don't read the reviews anymore. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I I, I choose not to do it. But yeah, I mean, it was mean. Also, side note, remember Gareth wanted to be a comedian and she started dating Drew Carey, who was a successful comedian. And it was almost like, digging deeper for him. It really opened up a whole new wound for him. Because you only have one job when you're a comedian. You have one job. Be funny. Be funny. And he wasn't. It was like wanting to be an Olympic runner, but you have a wonky knee and asthma. Good luck. It's like, you know, and two left feet. Uh, Yeah, bro, call your therapist. Truly, I haven't said that in a while, but let me remind you. Call your therapist. You you can't be good at everything. You think I would like to be an excellent football player? No, I don't think you want to. Good. I just wanted to make sure that you still know me well. So (laughs) then we find out that despite that restraining order, Gareth ran into Amy at an event on January 6th, 2020 called the X-Biz Awards. She was walking the red carpet and as she's walking the line, she sees Gareth approach her. But like, remember, he's a photographer. This wasn't terribly out of the realm of possibility that he would be there, but she hadn't seen him for 10 years and he starts screaming at her. Making a scene. Reciting texts she had seen sent him like a decade ago and a shit ton of witnesses, which is like a lot of witnesses. It's a lot of witnesses. They hear him say, you ruined my life, bitch. Amy tried to get Gareth to come off to a corner and he was just crying like a child. And then he falls to the ground and, and goes into fetal position. And I mean, everyone's just staring over. It's a bizarre scene, right, for an adult man. It's on video. We see the video. So this man is having a breakdown. And she goes into therapist mode because, remember, she is a therapist. She has 25 PhDs. And she's trying to calm him down so she can diffuse the situation. And eventually that night, she gets away from him. And she was supposed to go to the after party. She's not going to that after party. She doesn't want to run into him. She was truly terrified. No one should have to live in fear that way. Rightfully so. She just went straight home. But, like, all of those thoughts stuck with her he told her he still thinks about her. He thinks they're still together. He believes they're still together. It's like, hi, can I introduce you to the people who still think Donald Trump is our president? You guys will get along great. Truly. So she expressed to many people that she had the feeling that Gareth was tracking her. So she shared her location with all your friends. Also, find a person today to share your location with. And she says... Very haunting words. Which we've heard before. Yeah. And that is, if anything happens to me... It was Gareth. And so some of the talking heads speculate that maybe this incident contributed to her decision to reach out to Drew again. I I could see that. But I I really do think that she missed him. You know, they actually mentioned something because she was murdered on 
February 15th. And as much as I do not subscribe to the Valentine's Day, I never have. You know this. Not even when I've had partners. It is still kind of like the National Day of Love or whatever. But do you know statistically the that domestic violence and crime and arrests all spike around Valentine's Day. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, because, you know, people get vengeful. People are drinking a lot. They get triggered. They get hurt. They get emotional. Yeah, that makes sense. They act out, right? They start missing their partners. I never thought of that before. Neither did I, but that makes perfect sense. When you have Mr. Pursehouse and his threats prior to the restraining order... Then, coupled with his actions on January, the month prior, then you could start looking at Mr. Pursehouse a little closer. Certainly, there was enough evidence to obtain a search warrant to go look at Mr. Pursehouse's residence. And guess what they found? Uh, your Golden Girls DVDs? No. Um, oh. The boombox from Say Anything? No. Your nudes? No. Everyone has my nudes. No. They found multiple syringes filled with nicotine. The same exact type of syringe that was found at Amy's home. And Gareth told police, I was home. I was home. It it wasn't me. couldn't be me. I just, I love to put nicotine in my mouth, not the old-fashioned way. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it, yeah. But then they were like, oh, cool. All right. Well, we can believe that story. What about this? Bloody clothing. What about your bloody face? His face was fucked up. This man is so stupid and the police arrest him on the spot. He's in jail and his bail is set at $2 million. They also found DNA from under Amy's fingernails. Baby, game over. You cannot argue with DNA, my guy. The syringe proves premeditation because you have to plan that shit. And then the fingernails show the DNA. It's done. They know it's Gareth. They know he murdered Amy. So on February 19th, 2020, four days after Amy's murder, best friend Robert gets a call from the local news and they say, hey, did you know that Gareth is out of jail? He paid his 10% of that $10 million to get out and then he jumped bail. Now do you see why I say the things I say? Yeah. So their friends, obviously, so mad that this psychopath is out on bail, not facing any of the repercussions of what they did to their friend. Also, they're terrified for themselves. He knows where they live. They don't know what this unpredictable man is capable of. Well, guess what? When you're out on bond, you're not allowed to hang out near a border or an airport. And guess where they found Gareth? Hanging around LAX. And he was arrested on the spot. And when you break the terms of your bond, you don't get a bond do-over. That was it. That was your chance. So on August 30th, 2022, over two years after Amy's murder, Gareth has a preliminary hearing. And remember, this crime was committed right before the world shut down because of COVID. So the courts were way backed up. The biggest issue of contention here is, was it first-degree murder or was it second-degree murder? For first-degree murder, the prosecution needs to show beyond a reasonable doubt that Garrett Pursehouse premeditated and planned the killing of Amy Harway. And this bitch pleads not guilty. How do you argue with DNA? It's like you're looking at a crystal clear 4K video of yourself robbing a bank saying that you didn't do it. He basically just wants to drag this out and embarrass the deceased. Embarrass Amy, drag her name through the mud, get any kind of attention he was going to get from the trial. Listen, I'm going to let Motormouth Mabel say it best. Oh, Papa Tooney, we got a loony. Yeah, and best friend Maricela was like, it's a slap in the face. That not guilty plea is a slap in the face because let me tell you something. I did her hair and makeup. 
for her funeral. I saw what she went through. I saw fingerprints on her neck. That girl was fighting for her life. And for him to say, no, it wasn't me. Fuck you. Poor Marty. That that was awful when she talked about that. They also say that they want to build a bronze statue in honor of Amy. But not only that, but in honor of all domestic violence victims and something to remind people of who she was and like her real story. Like not Amy, the beautiful woman, not Amy, the sex therapist. Not Amy Drew Carey's ex-partner. Like, that she was loved and she was respected for all of the things that the world never really saw her for. You know, she was so compassionate. I don't know. It just, you know, to show how, you know, precious life is and how hers was cut short, yeah. basically. Possibly the system failed her. There's all kinds of things that go through my mind in how this could have stopped but it's tragic. It, it is no way for somebody to die. Well, this show came out about a year ago, and Gareth had not gone to trial yet. So we have some updates for you. Gareth eventually went to trial on August 29th, 2023. And on September 29th, 2023, Gareth was convicted of first-degree murder and first-degree residential burglary. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on December 6th. 2023. Good research, my love. I also want to add that there's a lot of videos of Drew Carey speaking about this. And one quote that I found that was really beautiful, it said, Amy and I had a love that people are lucky to have once in a lifetime. She was a positive force in the world, a tireless and unapologetic champion for women and passionate about her work as a therapist. And I thought that was really very beautiful. And there were other things that were left out just to a couple things about the restraining order and stuff. But I thought this episode did a... I really like this show. Yeah, great job. It was very thorough. It really spoke to like who this person was. And again, they got really like quality people speaking about the crime and the case. And we said this before we recorded. I had no idea this happened. Neither did I. I mean, it got buried in the news because of COVID. It's really tragic. And, you know, no one, no one, I say, I know I say this in cases like this all the time, but no one deserves to feel unsafe. Not in their own home, not at work, not in life, period. No one should feel unsafe. And I'm sorry that Amy's life was cut short and was met with such a tragedy ending. But you know what? She knew. Just she sure like did. she knew. I mean, that haunts me all the time when people say that if anything, you know, happens to me, it's them. So I just want, of course, talking about domestic violence, I cannot not, you know, tell you all that if you are experiencing any kind of situation that seems like you can't get out of, any kind of situation you are scared to tell someone about, which I totally understand, you can call 1-800-799-SAFE. You can also just text the word START to 8878. You can reach out to them and get help from someone who has expertise, an ear, anything, and it is just so tragic. And my my thoughts are with Drew Carey and all of her friends and yeah. everybody that was affected and touched by her life. She seemed to be out there doing good. Yeah. Say something funny. Well, I don't know if you know this. I don't know anything. But there was another song written about Marilyn Manson. Why'd it go? It goes like this. <clears throat> 
One day I couldn't find my contacts that matching in my eyes. So I took two contacts of different colors and I put those suckers in my eyes. And people said, oh my God, you're goth. And I said, oh my God, yes, I'm goth. So I put on some crooked lipstick and I grabbed a microphone. And I sang some songs about weirdness and I couldn't go home. And now I got two different color eyes and crooked lipstick. That's what I'm known for. Just kidding. I'm also an asshole. Hey, 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 hey. I hit top of the billboard charts. <laughs> 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 Down, bitches. I love this show. Thank you to everyone who suggested it. Do you know someone actually suggested the show to us today? I am not even this kidding. This show? Someone named I, Katie. I found this show. You, you, I mean, other you didn't invent it, my love. You just found it. But we really love it. So we're going to be covering this for four episodes. Tell us what you think. Don't forget to follow us on social media at I Think Not Pod on all platforms. Also, catch us on tour, everyone. Check our website, I Think Not Pod. We are coming to Chicago, St. Louis. We just announced Seattle. We just announced Tampa. We're going to LA. More cities to come. And don't forget DC. And don't forget DC. Don't forget DC. You know, touring is our favorite thing. Please come and see us. We have put together a fantastic show and we just want to see your little faces. And for those of you who were upset because you weren't able to swipe a VIP ticket, don't you worry. We do our Q&A with VIPs and we have a great time. And then afterward, we take a picture and hug anyone who wants to stand in line and meet us. And let me tell you, it's one of our favorite parts of the night. We love it. And I love you, Joey. I love you, Lamar. I love you, DB. Love you, DB. Bye. Well, like I say, Hollywood is a strange place. I've seen it. You've been doing that a lot. I want to be like you. I know, and you'll never let me forget it. Well, you do it a lot. I feel like you. Does that feel good? It's called ADHD. I, I, honey. You're medicated. I'm not. So, <laughs> it's Cameron Diaz, right? And it's truly heinous. Oh, God. I was yeah. so close. You were so close. And, yeah. you, and on the fly, I give you a 8.5 out of 10. Thank you so much. You know what? You, you, you don't know how. Never play volleyball. Um. <laughs> okay.